0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Get ready
1: for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
3: Welcome back to Gojo and Go. It's time for a little DraftKings Cash It or Trash It presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So, guys, cash or trash it, let's go. Public money. Okay, was on the Lions. So a lot of DK sports book tickets cashing on the last minute touchdown for those betting there. 69% of the bets on the Lions plus seven and a half. That is a serious sweat. Gojo and like you guys uh, trashed your Ravens tickets. Wah, wah. Yeah. But maybe our next guest can help you, you know, get your picks together for the Super Bowl. Gojo, come on, man. Haven't you learned not to bet against Patrick Mahomes?
0: Yeah, listen, I'm a big, dumb boy at the very core of me, always in forever world without end, amen. So uh, I make big, dumb decisions. I will say we were forced to pick which favorite we thought would have a better chance of winning. I did Ah. end up in the bets that count, taking the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the points. But our next best guest, Matthew Barry, is much smarter than both of us. He is the godfather of fantasy football. You can catch him, podcast form, the fantasy football happy hour, which is a blast. But you see him, of course, over at NBC doing a great job as a part of Sunday night. Night Football, Football Night in America's coverage. He is kind enough to join us now here. Our old colleague at ESPN, Matthew, how you doing, brother?
1: I'm good. I'm good, guys. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed by uh, what ended up happening yesterday. I wanted a, I wanted a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl, and so, you know, I wake up this morning uh, for two. What are you going to do? But otherwise, yeah, I'm good, guys. It's good to see you guys.
2: Yeah, good, good to see you as well. So, what... What were you the most disappointed in of, of both the Lions and the Ravens loss in either of those games? What was the most disappointing thing to you?
1: I think from the Lions standpoint, it's like, you know what I was kept reminding it, and, uh, and Golik, I know you'll remember this. Uh, you know, Jesse and Gojo might be too young for this, but you remember the, you remember the Dennis Green post-game rant? You know, they, heard, they were who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Like, that's what I kept thinking about in the second half for the Lions because they had him. They had him, and they just they let him off the hook. And, you know, not converting that fourth down, you know, we could argue going, whether he should have gone for it or not, but just not converting that fourth down in the first second half, right? It was fourth and two. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the play call, but they still should have converted it. And then they go down. Then so it's a fluke play, he, you know. Uh, Vildor doesn't catch it. It bounces off his face mask. Like I, you catches 50 yards, they score, and then you fumble the very next play. And like right there in three, you know, in three plays, they let them right back into it. And if any one of those plays doesn't, you know, goes the way it should have gone, you know, I think maybe it's a different scenario, but that's to me, the biggest frustration is, is that I felt like for the, for the second, it's, it's the, it's the breaking bad meme, right. Of, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, where he's just like, they can't keep getting away with it. You know, Walter White can't keep getting away with it. Same thing. I just feel like the 49ers can't keep getting away with it. But the last two weeks, that's exactly what happened against the Packers and now the Lions.
0: And you mentioned the we are who they are, who we thought they were portion of this applies a little more to Detroit because Matthew, we thought the 49ers were a team that couldn't come back like this. And in the last two weeks, they've been able to mount two huge comebacks in no small part because of the play of their quarterback down the stretch. What was your opinion of Brock Purdy coming into this postseason, as he has been one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in the sport? And has it
1: changed at all based on what you've seen these last couple weeks? I like Brock Purdy. I mean, you know, Look, experience teaches everything, right? And and so it's interesting because I actually think the person, the quarter, the maligned quarterback that's done the best for his reputation is Jared Goff. Because for as frustrating a loss as that was last yesterday against the Niners, none of it I don't think was on Goff. There were a couple throws that were, you know, he probably wishes to have back. But honestly, like bad receiver drops, fumbles not his fault. Um, uh, I think some of the play calls on fourth down were questionable. I thought golf played well to answer your question specifically about Purdy. Like I, I thought that in the Packers game again, sort of, they got away with it. Purdy had one good drive and that's about it. Right. And he sort of like, he sort of exposed himself to all the things that everyone else had said, like, ah, he's a system quarterback. He can't come up clutch in the big moments. But I thought yesterday. I thought Purdy put a lot of those questions to, uh, to rest. Yes, he had the interception, but overall he played well. Um, he he made some he made some big time throws, and more importantly, he made some huge scrambles, guys. Like, I mean, like keeping the play alive, not a guy that's necessarily known for his scrambling, but like there were like three different plays where he just had massive scrambles to keep drives alive, to to keep the Niners alive. And I was pretty impressed. I mean, I'll I'll tell you from a quarterback standpoint. I thought Brock Purdy played a lot better than Lamar Jackson did yesterday.
2: Well, let's go to that one. While people always say never bet against Patrick Mahomes, it really was the defense that did it for them, though Mahomes is Mahomes and still pulls out magic occasionally. But this is more about Lamar Jackson, who's going to be the MVP, win his second MVP award. What does this do to him and the legacy or lack of legacy at this point?
1: Yeah, I think he continues it, right? I mean, like I just, you know, the, the narrative on Lamar Jackson has been, you know, great regular season player, can't uh, can't really convert in the playoffs, and nothing we saw yesterday is going to change that. I mean, you know, he was he was again. I wouldn't you would go like, give credit to the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense played terrific. One of the reasons why Lamar Jackson the Ravens offense looked so bad was because of the Chiefs defense, right? But like he was, what was he on? You know, he was like two for seven on third down or something like that. He took two sacks. Like, he was, he was bad on third down. The pick into the end zone, like, he should get – I mean, everyone wanted to kill Jordan Love last week for the, you know, for the desperation throw across right. his body mm-hmm. as they're making the drive. And he, they just need to get down there and get a field goal. You know, and so everyone kills him for that throw, and rightfully so. It was a bad throw by Jordan Love. But, like, Lamar Jackson's throw into triple coverage – like, you know, you're throwing to a backup tight end in triple coverage in the end zone. Like, that was as bad a throw, if not worse than Jordan Love's, I thought. You know, it was, it was tough. The fact that he took two sacks on third down, I sort of feel like Lamar Jackson's one of these players that should never take a sack. Like, his, his, his clock should be different than every other player on the planet because, like, he should, it should be a half second quicker. Because if, like, if it's not there, run. You're literally like one of the fastest guys on the planet. And so I I just – I think to answer your question about legacy, until he wins a big playoff game, I think that's going to continue to be a question around Lamar Jackson. This was, I thought, his best chance. They were the number one seed. They were at home. They had a day of – an extra day of rest. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. Now, they shot themselves in the foot a few times. Zay Flowers with a couple of kind of boneheaded plays there that might have made a difference. Um, But but still, you know – it was not a good game from Lamar
0: uh, on the other side of this, Matthew. We've seen so much of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed in and this Kansas city chiefs team. Is this the best coaching job, overall team management job that you've seen from this dynasty so far?
1: It has to be because the talent is the, is, is, you know, the most lacking. I, I mean, because I'll give Andy Reid credit. Uh, I mean, I'm a big Andy Reid fan. I, I think he's, you know, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Um, and I think it's a good question because, again, they like, this is a team that we kept thinking, well, at some point they're going to get exposed, right? And they're not going to the Super Bowl. It doesn't – come on. They're going to lose to the Bills. All right, well, they're going to get killed by the Ravens. And, like, <laughs> you know, now they're, now they're underdogs again. You know, as we sit here yesterday, like, Patrick Mahomes should never be an underdog. Like, they opened as underdogs. To the Niners, I think they open at two and a half. It's already down to minus one. I haven't seen, uh, but you know, they're, they're still underdogs as of whatever. The last time I checked earlier this morning, they're still underdogs uh to the Niners. And you're just sort of like, I... wait a minute. I'm sorry. Patrick Mahomes is an <laughs> underdog to Brock Purdy. Have we not watched football for the last six years? Like, wait, what? Um, uh, But yes, to answer your question about the coaching. Yeah. I mean, listen, Andy Reid's offense has always been, Andy Reid teams have always been like, we're going to let it fly, we're going to outscore everyone. We've got Mahomes, we've got Tyree Kill, we've got Travis Kelsey. We're just going to let it fly. And this year, in the middle of the year, they realized, you know what? That ain't working anymore. We don't have anyone that can catch. Rasheed Rice is still learning a route tree. Travis Kelsey getting a little bit older, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to play good defense, we're going to run the hell out of the ball, and we're going to try to grind out wins. And, like, when was the last time you saw an Andy Reid team, like, just try to grind out wins? And that's what they did, though, right? That's what they did against Baltimore. That's what they've done along. Like, Mahomes has made some plays when he needed to. The, the touchdown to Kelsey was a thing of beauty, uh, that the first touchdown. But, like, they grinded out a win at ba- Baltimore, which is kind of what you have to do, but not what we've ever seen from Andy Reid in the Mahomes era.
2: And now we all win because Taylor Swift will be at the Super Bowl. So let's look at uh, your your first thoughts on the Super Bowl. You just mentioned it. San Francisco is favored in this game. It's a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl, which means absolutely nothing in this game at all. So just your initial, when the game was over yesterday and you knew the two teams going to the Super Bowl, what was your first thought?
1: How are the Chiefs not favored? I, I just, again... <laughs> We no sir and all like how are the Chiefs not favored? Like they're the defending I get it. They're the def, but they're the defending Super Bowl champions. If you want to just sort of talk experience, um uh you know, it's you know, Kyle Shanahan has he's been there once, right, as a head coach. Um and Reid's obviously been there multiple times. It's Mahomes versus Purdy. I think this defense is so great. We saw this Yes, they adjusted in the second half, but the Niners can be run on. We saw it in the first half against, you know, with Detroit. We've seen it throughout the season. Aaron Jones had a huge game two weeks ago. And so as long as Isaiah Pacheco is healthy, and I assume he will be, um, uh, especially with two weeks to rest, like, I I think the Chiefs, I think it's close, but, yeah, give me the Chiefs to win this. I I don't, you know, I, I, I always think it's interesting. Last year, I remember, we were doing my show on Radio Row. Gojo, I know you and I did. Uh, we did a hit together on Radio Row last year, which was a lot of fun. But, like, we were doing we were doing my uh, fantasy football happy hour show on Radio Row for NBC and Peacock, and we had every player come through. And, Gojo, I know you were out there too, so I don't know if this happened to you, but every player that came through, we were like, you know, we do these interviews, and you're like, all right, who wins? And everyone was like, hi oh, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. And Jay Croucher and myself, my, my co-host, we were both like, and they're they, were, they were like, what about you guys? And we're like, we like the Chiefs. We just they've been there. You know what I mean? Like you give Andy Reed, Andy Reed's record off of a bye is ridiculous. And he's gonna be off of a bye. He's gonna have two weeks to prepare. Andy Reed's record with two weeks to prepare is something like 18 and three in the Mahomes era, or something in, it's some insane number. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's literally some insane number for his career, and specifically in the Mahomes era. Um, I think he's actually 11 and one in the playoffs in the Mahomes era. Like, I mean, it's just it's it's staggering. And so I'm just anyway. And then obviously, of course, the Chiefs won. So that's sort of my that's my initial gut reaction, goal. Like, and guys. I just you know, I, I I just I can't pick Brock Purdy. And I like Brock Purdy. I'm a <laughs> Brock Purdy fan. I'm a believer. But like, I ain't picking Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes. Like it just it comes that it comes down to that for me.
0: No, listen, I think 49ers fans get their revenge already in that. They all said last year, if Brock Purdy had been on the field, we'd have been in the Super Bowl, and now Brock Purdy was on the field and they're in the Super Bowl, but I'm with you. I'm done picking against this Chiefs team. I was one of the idiots that picked against them last year at Radio Row. I picked against them the last two weeks here in the AFC playoff run. I'm done doing it. I quit the stuff cold turkey. I'm back on it. The Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. We all know what's happening, and we are going to be very excited, Matthew, to see you again out there. Everyone can check Check that out. Again, you mentioned Fantasy Football Happy Hour, a phenomenal podcast, and the Fantasy Life newsletter, over 350,000 subscribers there. People checking that out. Matthew, you've always done phenomenal work. It's no surprise that that work is carried over now here uh, at NBC and Life After ESPN for you. So it, it's really great to see you, buddy. We appreciate the time today.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it. You know, it was great to know you. Uh, great to work with you guys at ESPN. It's great to work with you guys or do some stuff with you guys outside of uh, ESPN. Um you know, it's it's super interesting. I um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of us, uh, uh, Bristol alumni, if you will. And <laughs> yeah. uh, things are going well. <laughs> things are going well. Yeah.
2: Yes, it
0: is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Matthew. We'll see you out in Vegas. Appreciate you guys awesome stuff there dad and uh, he's right and as you start to look ahead for this matchup coming up in the Super Bowl and a lot of things we'll get to by the way you can check out uh, VEASAN.com slash DKN for their big game betting primer to check a lot of that out I do take solace in the fact that when we did the VEASAN preview before the season and we were asked to pick the Super Bowl matchup while I definitely lost my way during the season I did have the bravery before the start of the year to pick the 49ers and the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl so once again I just needed to wait and remember myself in order to get back to the right place that I was at all along.
2: Good for you. I don't think I did. I think I picked the, I picked the Chiefs. I think I picked a rematch, of the Eagles and the Chiefs. But it was so long ago, I don't know, and I probably make four or five different picks, so who knows. So you're already saying you're going with the Chiefs. God help me, I may be going with San Francisco. I picked Buffalo to beat Kansas City. I picked Baltimore to beat Kansas City. I might as well make it a clean sweep and say maybe if I do it three times, I'll get one of those three uh, And picking San Francisco. Because San Francisco defense is a good defense. Um, their offense scores a lot of points. They, they were actually right with Baltimore in scoring offense during the regular season as far as points. But San Francisco, in my eyes, has more ways to score offensively. And we'll have plenty of time to break that game down. But I'm not officially making it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm leaning toward... Picking against Kansas City again.
0: (laughs) I I am making myself do this. I'm making a promise to my future self. You might get distracted by some things in the upcoming weeks. Look at me, future Mike. You might get distracted by some stuff over the next <laughs> couple of weeks. People are going to try and trot out a lot of fun stats at you. They're going to try and tell you things about the 49ers' defense or offense and what they're capable of in this game. None of it matters. We're done picking against Patrick Mahomes. We're done picking against Andy Reid. They're the NFL's ultimate chameleon. That's what I figured out through this process, Dad. I always remember the old ESPN, the magazine commercial with Greg Oden when he was coming out. And the, ind- the line that this – imprinted on my heart forever. You want dynamic, I'm a chameleon that is the Kansas City Chiefs. It might not be dynamic in the way we're used to thinking about with this team, where it's a high-flying offense that can stretch the field in a number of different ways, but they can be whatever you need them to be. And in this playoff stretch, it's been, hey, we need you to be a multi-tight end, ground and pound unit, where the quarterback and Hall of Fame tight end we're gonna make occasional timely plays when the opportunities present, and then this defense is going to choke the life out of people on the other side. It's not what we've seen from them, but it's what they are now, and it's absolutely enough to. To win in a game where we saw the 49ers what happened to them all first half they got run on what do the Kansas City Chiefs do in the first half they ran on the best defense in football because that was the one place Baltimore was susceptible and so I firmly believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have every bit of what they need to go out here and get this done again because that's all they do is they find out what they need to be for that situation and then they go to work
2: So let me ask you this. You as a former offensive lineman. Now, one of the things I did as a D lineman when I was getting ready to play a team is not only the game plan, but who I matched up against, right? Who I have to go against. And I'm not going to lie. There will be times I was like, oh, hell. You know, (laughs) this this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. This is going to be a tough game, blah, blah, blah. So while you don't say that publicly, you feel like you can win every play, and that's how you play. And for the San Francisco offensive line, uh, Trent Williams worries about no man, no, no doubt about no. it. Does Aaron Banks, Jake Brindle, the center, Spencer Burford, the right guard, or Colton McKivitz, in in quiet moments when they're alone, do they think about the matchup that they're all at one point going to have with Chris Jones? The large D tackle who will slide out to DN. McKivitz will see some of him uh, in this game, the right tackle. Do you, as an old lineman, lay in bed at night and say, oh boy? <laughs> and, and listen, the other side will too, who goes against Nick Bosab, but Chris Jones is a mountain of a man who lines up in different spots and just destroys people, whether he beats them or just flat out shoves them back to the quarterback. So take me through the old lineman mentality if you're not one of the star old linemen like a Trent Williams.
0: It's, it's funny because all of the offenses that were left in this postseason, and especially the 49ers and the Chiefs, they do such a great job of formations and the plays of finding ways to help their guys up front out, knowing, hey, this is where we're a little bit weaker than normal. Here's how we're going to offset that and give our guys the best chance. But there's a point in every game where that all has to go out the window, where you get to the obvious situation. And I promise there's a third down because there were plenty for me where all of a sudden you hear <laughs> the call and you get up and you see the look and then you hear the center of the quarterback ID the mic and you realize – Oh, the slide's going the other way, and I'm on the (laughs) island over here. And there were absolutely (laughs) plays where you could see me on film, where you'd see my head right before the snap, just go, all right, you say a little prayer, and you hold on to your ass and get ready to go. And there's going to be a handful of those moments that end up defining the game. So, yes, absolutely, for those guys in an honest moment, there's going to be that you get up there, you tighten the buckle on your pads a little bit, you take a deep breath, and you just hope to God that maybe Chris
2: trips. (laughs) <laughs> that's got to be tough because like you said knowing the call you know when you're alone if you're a right yeah. tackle if you're not getting any help no chip help at all that is just like oh god now i have this and big just- beefy man over me that's going to try and hurt me
0: <laughs> please don't let this human grizzly bear go and tear my friend's head off behind me for the love <laughs> of god And remember to check out Jägermeister
3: at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Goalik. Guys, fans all over were clutching their hearts, checking their heart rates, on Sunday, and did you know that heart disease is the number one cause of death in the US due to often invisible risk factors? Learn more and assess your risk factors at checkyourheartrisks.com, brought to you by Bayer Aspirin, the official sponsor of Fans Hearts. So guys, which moment had you, you know, clutching your heart, that heart racing moment, which one got you the most yesterday?
0: Well, Dad, I was out here at the DraftKings Sportsbook here in Wrigley where I'm at now. You can see in the background. This is sick, by the way, here. yeah,
3: There were a million
0: yeah. beer towers out here yesterday. We had a ton I of fans saw that. every team. Oh, The folks from Bear were here. They were great. But, yeah, dude, you saw all the beer towers yesterday, right? <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. And there had to be a lot of people there with some heart-racing moments, let me tell you.
0: Well, we were sitting around here, so we're going around here. And again, thank you to everyone at Bear. They were awesome. It was a ton of fun to work with them here yesterday. Everyone at <laughs> the sports book here was great. But the, the moment for me, dad, was in the Lions game because we knew, again, heavy Lions population that was going to make their way through here. There was a lot of blue in the building. and it wasn't for me the Brandon Ayuk helmet catch, because that was wild. It was a game-changing play in a lot of ways. It was the first sign of life for that 49ers team. To me, it was the Jameer Gibbs fumble, because that was all of a sudden where I saw that look of doubt start to creep into the faces of every Detroit Lions fan in the building who saw that familiar feeling, that sinking dread that they hadn't let back into their hearts in a while, all of a sudden show up again.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a moment for sure, especially, with, like you say, you're there with a bunch of Detroit fans. For me, sitting at home, it's the amount of time a ball is in the air. So Baltimore, for as much as they couldn't get that offense going, I thought was going to get one more shot at the ball, right? So they used their timeouts. They had them all done. It's third and nine for Kansas City at their own 46-yard line, 219 to go. So you still have the two-minute warning if Baltimore can stop them. It's third and nine. So you're wondering, Andy Reid, you know, the plays before that, you know, had been obviously they're trying to get that first down uh, to to win the game. And what they've been doing is they ran the ball twice with Pacheco. So now it's third and nine. Baltimore, like I said, used all their timeouts. And then Andy Reid does what Andy Reid does. And you got Patrick Mahomes going back to pass, and he hits Marquez Valdez-Scantling for a 32-yard gain down the middle. That ball is in the air. Baltimore fans' hearts had to be in their throats going, are they going to complete this thing? Because if they don't, Baltimore's or, or Kansas City's punting, it'll be deep in Baltimore's territory with no timeout, but they'll have a couple of minutes and a chance to go down and at least tie this game. So that ball hanging in the air down the middle and the guts Kansas City has and normally does have in that situation, that to me was a heart-racing moment if you were a Baltimore Raven or a Kansas City Chief fan on seeing how that play was going to end up and it went in the Chiefs' favor.
0: I think that is a phenomenal play to bring up in light of the discussion that's going on around Dan Campbell and the Lions from yesterday, right? because that is not an advisable football decision for most people in most circumstances in that spot when you're just trying to drain clock. But that's always who they've been. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is one of the many receivers in that wideout room that was maligned for the entire season because they were inconsistent. Marquez valdez Scantling's supposed to be their deep guy. And for most of the year, it seemed like him and Patrick Mahomes, forget weren't on the same page. They were reading different books for a lot of the right. year. And what have we seen now in the last two weeks? Three of the biggest catches of the Chiefs postseason run have come from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Because, one, they continued to go back to him and a lot of the other receivers in this room, despite most other people who would have cast them off before because they knew moments like this needed to happen. And also in this spot, Andy went for it like he usually does in big spots because he trusts and empowers his quarterback and he believes in the rest of this team's ability to go out there and win it instead of losing it. If they missed that spot, Dad, the same people that are patting Andy Reid in the back right now would be the same crowd that are sharpening their swords for Dan Campbell. It is amazing how sad and outcome driven we are when it's the process that got all of these coaches in a position to give their teams a Chance to win.
2: Yep, I I agree. And the the best thing about those plays when they're called, whether it's going for it on fourth down or passing for it on a third down, when a lot of people think you run clock, um, is the fact that the players, the most important ones, because they're the ones that have to execute on the field, aren't caught off guard. They're, They're not sitting in the huddle going, Why are we doing this? You know, they're not sitting in the huddle in Detroit saying, why aren't we kicking a field goal here? They're not in the huddle in KC saying, why are we passing the ball here? Why are we doing this? They're used to doing this, so it's basically business as usual. So I get it. Does that mean I don't question it sometimes? Well, no, absolutely sure. not. I, I still could go either way on, on uh, one or both of those field goals, but I get it. I understand it, and it doesn't matter if I understand it. The players understand it, and it's second nature to them. And as we said, you know they they get it in Kansas City, and in the Detroit game, at least one of those, you're hitting a a receiver dead in the hands. The other one, not so much, didn't work out that way, but one, you hit a receiver dead in the hands. You should have had that one. The play should have worked. It was laid out to work. So I think that's the most important thing is players never get caught off guard there.
0: Nope. The decision making process doesn't make them infallible, but their consistency makes them something that their players can rely on. And that is more important to the success of team than what any of us think in this process. Speaking of consistent coaching being rewarded, Jesse, let's get a little bit of college football news in here while we've got an opportunity because we had a big hire made going into the weekend as the Michigan Wolverines officially give the job over to Sharon Moore.
3: Yeah, guys, Lions fans are sad, but there's good news in Michigan, right? Sharon Moore officially named the head coach. Gojo, you've been hammering this drum. You've been on this for a while now, so you're definitely pleased with this decision.
0: I am and dad, it's a lot like we just talked about. It does not come without risk, right? Jerome Moore is a first time head coach taking over the national championship program that's going to try and be spinning into its next iteration after the best coach in its modern history in Jim Harbaugh. That is a daunting task. Sharon Moore is obviously not a veteran candidate who has done that, but given where they were at in the cycle this late in the process in the year, given the continuity, this gives you a chance to keep most of your roster intact, keep a lot of guys in place because they know him around there, and I will go back to – He's been a high-level offensive coordinator, one of the best assistants in college football. He has been training for this moment. He's been empowered by his head coach for a while to do this. And when he got the opportunities this year, he showed in moments where Jim Harbaugh could not help him all of the things that you'd want in terms of decision-making poise and being able to lead that team when he was asked. I think this is a great hire and a guy who has a chance to be a real rising star in the sport.
2: Oh, I think it's a fantastic hire, w- without question. You have a, a uh, you know, a national championship team that you don't want to be changing everything now, and you're certainly not on the offensive side of the ball. Personnel, some you are, but not not the uh, the, the the scheming. I, I didn't see yet, Mike, and I don't know if you know. It, it, did Jesse Minter go with uh, Harbaugh? I, I don't know any coaches that have left Michigan at this point. So, how much of the staff? Does he keep intact? Does he have others outside that whenever, if and, and when Sharon Moore became a head coach, did he have in mind to be his assistants? But you, by hiring from within, you, you could have a nice lack of turnover in the coaching staff, which will keep consistency on that team. That's the one thing I don't know at this point. I have not seen, and, and if it's already happened, my fault for not knowing, but I don't know what's happening at the defensive coordinator position right now.
0: It sounds like Jesse Minter is uh, going to be hired by the Chargers. It sounds like he's going to make that jump with Jim Harbaugh to the next level, which a lot of us expected. He had the background in the NFL working for John and the Ravens before that. So there will be change there, dad, no doubt. And they're going to lose. There are a lot of things there, including the looming NCAA sanctions that are likely coming down the pipeline too, that are going to make this very difficult for Jerome Moore. But while he's not a guy who's a veteran name around the league or has been around uh, college head coaching for a while, I still think he's primed in a position to go and try and shepherd through him with the best possible chance they have.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I, I think this is a good move. I think it's Sheryl Moore is a guy who deserves this chance. He, proved, he got a chance to prove himself, and he did uh, when Harbaugh wasn't around on game day. So good for him. Uh, good for Michigan. I know that's tough for you to say. Uh, for your not non-like of Michigan, dislike for Michigan. Yeah, listen.
0: Yeah, non-like, dislike. uh, I have to stand the offensive line coach becoming the head coach. That is something that is always good for the brand, and we will support no matter what colors they wear. It's Kentucky Derby time. Are you ready for the greatest two minutes in sports? Saddle up with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Download DK Horse now to join the Run for the Roses action. New customers can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC, only on the DK Horse app.
3: Welcome back to Gojo and Go. Like it wouldn't really be a Monday if we didn't get our guys all weekend teams. So many people to choose from here. The list honestly goes on and on. So guys, who gets the honors?
0: Yeah, uh, we're going to go since it was only two games this weekend. We're only going to go second team and first team all weekend here. But, <coughs> Dad, we were just celebrating beef and offensive line coach Sharone Moore becoming the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. I'm going to take this opportunity to sell beef again because while so many people are going to worry about Dan Campbell and coaching decisions from yesterday and was this more Lamar Jackson losing the game or Patrick Mahomes winning the game, Jared Goff's future Brock Purdy, all of pales in comparison, in my mind, to what we saw happen yesterday for Kansas City up front. My second team all weekend pick, backup offensive lineman Nick Allegretti, who stepped in for injured offensive lineman, all pro guard Joe Tooney, who has meant so much to that team, has been a huge part of the interior of that offensive line, being one of the best in the league. Nick Allegretti's been a backup there for a while. He's been with the team since 2019. He's played in 75 games. He started 13 and played, I think, 75 snaps in their Super Bowl loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In a league where we had such a conversation this year about the lack of offensive line depth, the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs had a guy that they could rely on with that much experience in that area in a pivotal moment like this to help send them back to the Super Bowl is another reminder of what a quality program they've built there.
2: Yeah, what, what, a, what a game to say, hey, you're in. <laughs> now, he knew it most of the week because Tooney wasn't playing, uh, practicing either because of a peck. So at least he was, it didn't happen like during the game where all of a sudden you're in, though that can be better sometimes because it gives you less chance to think as you've been in that position before uh, as well. Um, I, I do like that one. I, I like when a, a young guy like that steps in and gets the job done. My second team all weekend, <clears throat> it's going to sound odd, but hear me out is Taylor Swift. So, and, and again, my God, we're gonna hear it for two weeks from people who are sick of Taylor Swift. And you know what? I'm sick of you people who are sick of Taylor Swift, quite honestly, because she didn't ask for the camera to be on her. She isn't seeking any kind of publicity. She even mouthed at a camera when it was on her, go away please, when they were doing a little thing for the, the Grammys coming up uh, on Sunday. And we're going to talk about her flight from Japan to the Super Bowl, you know, and all that. You know, it's not as difficult as you think when you're on a private plane, I'd imagine, can lay down nice and easily. The reason she's second team to me, Mike, so she was walking on the field arm in arm with, Jason, or with uh, Travis Kelsey, her boyfriend, after the game, right? And you heard them talking, and I heard her say something like, Uh, He was with us, and then I lost him. He was going to say hi to somebody or whatever. And they were talking about Travis's brother, Jason, who he had not seen yet. And Jason was at the game, this time with his shirt on. And they got to Jason, and Travis went over to Jason, and Taylor stood there for a moment. And then it was a subtle thing, but I thought very cool. Who Taylor Swift, who all these people think she is an attention seeker, she got out of the way. She got completely out of the way. A camera even followed her, getting the hell out of the way, way out of the way, so the brothers could hug, you know? Brothers got a hug, which Jason and Travis did. They had a wonderful moment there. It was a great moment. But I, it, was a, it was a subtle thing to me, but I thought a cool thing. Here's this most popular entertainer in the world. She got the hell out of the way to let the brothers kind of have their moment. It was very sure she made sure she got out of the way for it. So I thought that was pretty cool of her.
0: For all this conversation about her and the attention that's been paid to her, I think you're right to point out that the attention has not been sought by and large in this situation and that she's been someone who has been shown but not seeking the desire for that attention, at least in my mind and read of the situation. And I think you're right, that situation on the field where she was just a part of it. She was another person out there celebrating a moment that wasn't hers, someone who's had all of her own moments and who understands in very public settings in the past what it's like to have your moment taken away from you by somebody else's actions, Kanye West. She knew in this moment and in other moments how to let someone go and have theirs. And it is a pretty cool reminder of someone who understands what her partner is going through in a way that very few people can. So very cool. moment, Dad, I'm so proud of you, man. I didn't have to be the one to bring up Taylor Swift on this. This is a growth moment for us. It's a real father-son bonding moment you just gave me here.
2: Well, part of it, too, is I'm just sick of the football people that I know who are, you know, who who are sick of this. And for those out there, real quickly, you Baltimore people, you want to think it's a conspiracy theory and put your tinfoil cap on because of the ref who is at the game. Okay, I'm never going to stop people from doing that. But to sit there and say the NFL got what they wanted because Taylor Swift will be at the Super Bowl. Do you realize what the Super Bowl is every year? It's the most watched event every year by far. They don't need Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl to be the most watched. So while you have your tin hat on, keep that part of it out because that one makes no sense at all.
0: Yeah, you sure about that, bud? You sure about the the Super Bowl needs all this help in being popular? (laughs) But as our friend Nicole Arbach pointed out, Taylor Swift does make the Super Bowl in her first year in the NFL, so <laughs> proof's in the pudding right now. Came in highly skilled, preparation met opportunity. She was ready for her moment when it counted the most there. Dad, speaking of someone else that was Mike, ready for oh, – here? Real, what?
2: real quick, real quick. I'm working the Super Bowl again, the sideline for Westwood 1. Usher, halftime. Post Malone, singing before the game. Taylor Swift, maybe on the sideline as well. Who's got it better than me right now? Dad – I'm picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. So
0: if that happens, when that happens, and there is that field storming there, need you to just, like, get a hello in. I saw she was talking to Tony Romo after the game, and they had a little yeah. back and forth there, Dad. So you've got to try and somehow make contact, at least a wave, a hello, a Taylor. You know, so we'll, we'll figure out some sort of, like, line that we can have you say to her that's very kind in that moment to make sure we get our foot in the door.
2: I'm telling you, I'm going to get the chance because – being, being a partner with the NFL, Westwood won. After the melee settles down on the field, I get to, me and Laura Oakman, who's doing sideline with me, we get to talk to the, the heavy hitters during that. And Taylor, if they win, Taylor will be down on the field with Travis. Travis, you know, and I have known each other now for a few years. We'll make that eye contact. I'll come over, do an interview, and why not get a little interview with both of them in, right? Yeah, go ahead Go ahead and bring her in on this one. I want to talk to
0: both <laughs> of you guys about this. All right, we've got a plan that we can execute here. Let's finish our for all weekend team. Dad, first team for me. Uh, This was an easy one. Greg Olson, preparation meeting opportunity yet again. This guy's been ready for his moment every time as a broadcaster here. The moment in the Lions game where he was able to quickly and succinctly explain how empty pass protection worked, how Jared Goff got sacked, not because Panay Sewell messed something up, but because Jared Goff didn't get the ball out fast enough when you've got to sift on the backside of an empty protection there. That is why I think he's currently the best analyst in the game when it comes to the NFL. He has been so consistently ready for every moment he has great explanations of complex thoughts that he's able to simplify here with the benefit of experience. I've loved getting to listen to him. I know Tom Brady's going to be taking over the one crew in Fox next year, but I am desperately going to miss Greg Olson because he's been phenomenal.
2: Yeah, it is. He's going to get big footed, but that's how it works. We all know. Uh, that's how it works in in pretty much uh, you know any business, and it works like that in this business. But I'm with you. I, I I enjoy what he does. I think it's a good group that they have there, and and he's gotten a chance to 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 prove it, and I think he's done a nice job. My first team uh, will have nothing to do with football. My first team will go to Saturday night. My first team is the combo of LeBron James and Steph Curry. They these two put on a show Saturday night. That was incredible. Uh, double overtime game, 145-144 Laker victory. And again, by the way, these are two teams that right now the Lakers are sitting in the 9th slot and Golden State's in the 12th slot. So they're not even two of the top teams. But these are the two greatest players of all time. One, the greatest shooter of all time for sure, and Steph Curry. So LeBron in his 21st year, 36 points. 20 rebounds, 12 assists, hits two free throws with 1.2 seconds to go in the second overtime to put his team up that one and get the win in his 21st year. Steph Curry, in his 15th year, goes for 46 points, hitting nine threes in this game. To see these guys at 39 and 35 years old, Mike, do what they're doing on the court, man, just cherish it because they do. They appreciate each other, I saw after that game. That was an incredible game to watch by two of the greats of all time still carrying their teams.
0: We're in a very interesting spot with both of them where they're no longer good enough to lift their bad teams past being bad, but definitely can muster an individual performance for the ages, just like they did Saturday night. All right, guys. Time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on into your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, eight to ten a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and more. If you miss any of it and can't be with us live, I. you know, want to hear our great guests like Matthew Barry from NBC's football night in America and Sunday night football. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast or right here available on YouTube. As soon as we get done our thanks here on behalf of me and super producer Brandon Newman to everyone at the DraftKings Sportsbook sports and Wrigley. If you're out here in the Chicago area and haven't had a chance to come check this out. Awesome place to hang out. Great place to watch sporting events here. You can see all the TVs. If you're watching on DraftKings Net right now behind me, there's plenty of great stuff here to check out. Uh, and it's an absolute blast of a time. So thank you to everybody here, everybody at Bear who was a part of that day with us. We really enjoyed it and had a great time. Speaking of things we enjoy, Dad. Let's get to this. While everyone else is going to sit here and complain about Taylor Swift, we're going to do the hard-hitting journalism work of telling the stuff you need to know about America's favorite pop star turned football wife, here, girlfriend, excuse me. I'm not Tony Romo. Don't come for me, Swifties. Yeah. Uh, and instead bring up, I think, two interesting points I saw come off the date yesterday. One dad... Taylor Swift, I think quietly this year, an interesting subplot has been the support of largely female-owned business in the NFL as she's been seen at games and been very uh, publicly profiled. She showed up wearing a lot of Aaron Andrews' NFL line at the beginning of her venture here. Obviously, we saw Kristen Juchek's line go viral last week as she wore the puffer jacket to the game. And now this week, Taylor Swift has showed up and was seen wearing a bracelet made and designed by Michelle Wee West uh, during her celebration on the field there. So I think Very cool. It's uh, been a quiet subplot of all this, Dad. That has been very enjoyable to see a lot of other, especially largely female owned businesses getting some shine because Taylor Swift is always going to be trained at the center of these cameras.
2: So we should try and get some, you know, equal time, you know, on the male gender side of this. So I talked about how I'm going to work working the sidelines for the. So don't shake your head. No, Jesse, just don't do that. So why how men, about,
3: just, okay, continue. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Finally, now, it's time for men to have another seat at the table. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, enough Maybe we, we could have a seat The, at the only table. nomination. The the Barbie movie had only Ken nominated for awards <laughs> yes. in that. I feel like that's our chip on the <laughs> table here yeah. as the patriarchy reinserted itself in the most ironic play possible, dear God.
2: Yeah. So so why don't we get her to, to support one man's thing so if I'm on the sideline after the game, if I'm interviewing Travis and she's there, Mike, you had these shirts made up. You're big on the linemen who are scoring touchdowns in the NFL. Oh, man. What if I present her with a thick six shirt that you've had made up that maybe she'll wear in public at some point?
3: Yeah, she's definitely a thick six girl. That's going to be her. Oh, come on. That's yeah. not what I...
2: There's a meaning to the no, shirt. I it's know. about linemen I'm just, scoring.
3: I know, but I just still don't know if she's going to be wearing that shirt. I, you know
0: what?
2: Man we can, can figure try.
3: out a way.
0: This is this is what we do. We send a thick, sick shirt to Christian Juicecheck and we have her make it into something a little bit more fashionable, something a little bit more Ooh. wearable. And then we have her send it to Taylor Swift, and now we're cooking with gas. So there you so go. Now,
2: yeah, I like that. So now uh, Christian Juicechek can get get the get the the big amount, and we'll just take a percentage of it as well. We'll kind of lean in, and we'll you exactly. know what we'll. we'll We'll we'll, we'll grab the coattails of this incredibly successful woman. I'm cool with that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Who around here hasn't ridden some coattails in their lives? Am I right? Um, Also, by the way, Kansas City's airport uh, has a direct flight to Vegas now that they've put in there uh, for Taylor Swift fans who are so inclined. It's an American Airlines flight. The outbound flight from Kansas City to Las Vegas is flight 1989. Very significant. The Mm -hmm. birth year of Taylor Swift and the title of one of her albums. The return flight from Las Vegas to, to Kansas City, flight 87, the number of Travis Kelsey. So hidden Easter eggs everywhere because Taylor Swift's effect can be felt far and wow. wide. But guys, let's get to that. We talked a lot about some NBA news from the other night. Another relatable movement uh, moment from one of the NBA's brightest superstars in Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jesse.
3: Yeah, okay, so the Bucks are one of those teams that do this thing where like, if an opposing player misses both their free throws, if the crowd is loud, they might offer some sort of like a reward for you so fans are able to get free wings from Wingstop if an opposing player goes 0 for 2. So that happened, and then Giannis took out his phone and started scanning the QR code so that he could get in on the free wing. Look at this man's face and just know that that is pure unadulterated joy. He's not trying to be funny. He's not trying to, like, go viral. He literally was like, I'm gonna get free wings. And look at him. He's getting them. He's scanning the QR code, you guys.
2: And hey, listen. That's the I, one thing I, I about
0: Giannis I, is you know it's genuine, Dad.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't care if you make $50 million a year. You still like free stuff, okay? Yeah. You will still take free. You'll take that free T-shirt or that free hat, even though you make $50 million. And you, I think this is such a cool thing. Who wouldn't take advantage of that? Free wings. For a a guy missing two free throws, that is awesome. I'm with you. That's just genuine genuine love of wings right there.
3: Yeah, he was so happy, so joyful just to be scanning that QR code. You love to see it. It is. He's a guy we've seen go
0: for, you know, the 50-piece nuggets after his wins. He made, especially when he first came over to the States, a big show of going around and trying a lot of different American-made fast food products. So he's always been about that life. And I appreciate seeing that all of the fame, the championships, the MVPs, the Ungodly amounts of money. Haven't changed the young man at the core there, who still, despite looking like a Greek god, eats like someone with a body more similar to mine here. Giannis could always have a seat at the Golak family Thanksgiving table because we know he would bring the proper energy in that spot. So, guys, let's get to the third. And this is really just a way to talk about how fearful I am. Coming off this weekend, where I had a little bit of free time and fun time here in Chicago before the work that we had to do surrounding the games. As now we're getting ready to go to Las Vegas next weekend to begin the Super Bowl week coverage. We're gonna be out here, Gojo and Golick gonna be on the road in Las Vegas and Radio Row live all week during Super Week. We're gonna be there. So I'm gonna be there Sunday to Saturday. Dad, you're staying for the whole week and then some since you'll be on the call for Westwood One on the sidelines. You mentioned you and Laura Oakman gonna be down there on the sideline doing the job for that game. This is your third Super Bowl in a row that you have been a part of here. And so I'm very afraid, but I am heartened already by what I am seeing about the red carpet being laid out in Las Vegas, because this year, the Luxor, I believe, is the uh, Super Bowl hotel, the official Super Bowl hotel for the NFL. And while we have seen the sphere take over on the Las Vegas Strip as one of the real advertising methods du jour right now. The Luxor has decided they're also ready to play this game as the giant pyramid-shaped casino hotel is now turning itself into a giant Dorito on the Las Vegas Strip as capitalism now fully running rampant in Sin City if it wasn't already the case before.
2: How much do... Now, we know what a commercial costs for the Super Bowl. I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars for a 30-second commercial. To run, what does it cost Doritos to put that view on the on Luxor? And do you think we're going to see the Sphere used as a advertisement as well by some big company? I mean, you would be a fool not to, right? Uh, but I, I just, I wonder what that package costs to put that Dorito chip to put that visual on the Luxor.
3: I don't know, I also feel like, do, does Doritos need to advertise itself? It feels like one of those things where you're like, do you even need this? Come on.
0: So I will say, Doritos has it like that because we know they've been a part of some of the best Super Bowl ads traditionally of yes. my lifetime on TV, so they've always been willing to spend it, especially around this event. Just to your point, they're pretty ubiquitous at this point. If you go and you're looking at one of the snack vending machines, you know what you're getting with a pack of Doritos. It's why they've lasted this long, because while it might not top, you know, homemade nachos or something, you're going to get at a great restaurant here. It's dependable on the fly, and it's a flavor I can trust. I appreciate that they're not resting on their laurels, and they're still ready to attack and take advantage of the fact that their product is, in fact, shaped like the triangle.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and listen, I mean, I mean, most of the, the commercials are big companies, right? Because they're the ones that can shell out the millions of dollars for 30 seconds. So they still feel the need. And I'm with you, Mike. Some of the great commercials, Super Bowl commercials have involved Doritos. So I, I, that's the one downside if there is one, of actually working the Super Bowl and being on the field is I do miss all the commercials because I did like watching all the commercials. But I'll I'll take being on the sidelines for sure. But kudos to Doritos and anybody else who goes outside the box and thinking of their advertisements for this week, that week.
0: Kudos to my dad for agreeing to be the mole for us to get to Taylor Swift on the sideline of that Super Bowl. Thanks so much. (laughs) Download, subscribe, rate, review us. We'll talk to you tomorrow.